before we even kick off the podcast, I just want to remind everyone to go like, subscribe, and keep up with these weekly episodes. If you like what you hear, spread the word so more coaches can tune in for our weekly podcasts. Hi, I'm Coach Tony Schiffman, and welcome to the Hog Football Podcast, where we talk all things football and all things offensive line. Today, I have got Coach Brian Sheehan with me. Coach Sheehan is entering his 18th season coaching football and his fifth season at Hamline University in St. Paul, Minnesota. He currently serves as the assistant head football coach, offensive coordinator, and offensive line coach for the Pipers. His previous coaching stops include Defiance College, Thomas More University, Hobart College, and Heidelberg College. Along with his coaching duties, Coach Sheehan has also uh, recently accepted a graduate assistant position at Jefferson Elementary, teaching first grade to his oldest son. So, Coach, I know that's probably a lot harder than coaching the offensive line. Uh, how's everything else going? You know, life's pretty good. And thank God he's not in third grade or I'd really be in trouble. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's one of those things I can't, uh, you know, teachers are – I was a teacher. I was an educator for a while. And, and I've got to uh, definitely applaud those guys for what they're doing and, and, and parents for, for what they're doing right now. So, uh well, I'll, I'll tell you what, man, it's, it's, it's really been a blessing. Uh, you know, we miss coaching right now, right, Tony? I mean, oh, yeah. we, we miss being able to love our guys and, and show them discipline and, and uh, help them get better. So uh, kind of get to scratch that itch, so to speak, um, yeah. teach my son first grade. So awesome. really a blessing in disguise and been one of the highlights of this quarantine. Yeah, yeah, that's kind of an interesting way to put it, a highlight of the quarantine. But, uh, yeah, I mean, and, 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 you know, before we get into this whole thing, you know, I mean, we as we – as, as coaches and family men, you know, we, we don't get to spend as much time with our family as we like during the season, you know, as is. And so this has been, again, one of those great things where now you get to spend time with, with your kids and kind of, uh, you know, spend time with the family and, and, and watch them grow up a little bit more than, than a lot of coaches usually do. Yeah, no question. Yeah. So, you know, entering your 18th season coaching football, you've been a part of some great programs. Uh, talk to me about how the offensive line played a part in the success of those, uh, those uh, really good seasons. Uh, holy smokes. I, I don't think you can have a good football team without a good offensive line. Um, every championship team that I've been a part of, uh, the O-line's kind of been the engine that really makes the, the, uh, the offense go. And, mm -hmm. you know, th there's a lot of ways to be successful on offense, but all of it goes through the O-line, right? Whether you want to be right. a run-first team, a pass-first team, those cats up front being disciplined and uh, operating, you know, five is one. Uh, that's critical to any offensive scheme success. And uh, among the reasons why it's the best position to coach in football, right? Absolutely. In my opinion, it is. Um, and that actually kind of brings me to my first question for you, because looking kind of delving deeper into your biography, um, you started coaching uh, as a wide receivers coach and coaching the skill guys. So talk to me a little bit kind of how, how that, um, you know, how that was and, and how it, how the transition to coaching the offensive line was for you. Yeah. Well, you know, it was, it was really interesting coming out as a graduate assistant. Um, I was actually uh, my first year, a defensive ends coach and my experience playing defensive end at Marietta was, you know, run through the gap, try to get the guy with the ball. I was like the water boy at defensive end. You, you know what I'm saying? So <laughs> yes. I didn't have a whole lot of knowledge to transfer over. Um, so year one of being a GA, um, you know, learning experience, you know, you start to realize what you don't know. And then year two as a GA, 
uh, Coach Cochran, um, Brian Cochran was the head coach at the time, um, wanted to make a, make a move and, and move me over to the offensive side of the ball to coach receivers. And, and as a tight end in college, I had some receiver knowledge that I could transfer. Um, so the next two years, uh, you know, up at, up at Hobart College, uh, being able to coach the wideouts up there um, was, was really good because it's an important position, but it's not a critical position like the O-line and the quarterback. So as a young guy, really gave me an opportunity to learn the game. And then um, an offensive coordinator position came open at Thomas Moore College um, heading into the 2007 season. And I hadn't coached it before, but through trying to learn as much as I could about the game, I learned enough to pass the interview and, and to get the job. And, um, you know, fortunately, we had an outstanding um, part-time coach that we hired, a guy named Rick Haynes, who was the offensive line coach and offensive coordinator at Cincinnati Colerain um, for probably 15 years, mm-hmm. joined us at Thomas Moore. And um, really, you know, I'll be honest, really kind of kind of bailed me out from having to coach O-line without the requisite knowledge and experience to get it done. So right. Rick took over the O-line. I moved to quarterbacks and, and had a chance to, to learn and grow from there. But the O-line position always intrigued me. And, you know, I had a chance to coach the O-line at Defiance for a year, and it was a mid-season deal. And then when I became a free agent, uh, I had to be a jack of all trades. Yeah. You know, I had to have a skill set that uh, I could get a job, you know, wherever the openings were. And uh, Chip Taylor needed an O-line coach going into 2016. And um, at that point, I mean, you know, nine, ten years later from the first time doing it, I had enough knowledge that, that I could coach the position reliably and um, it, of all the positions I've coached, Tony, and, and I've already said it, the O line's the best, and it's been a blast. Yeah, it it really, I mean, it really is. It's and 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 we're biased a little bit, but it's it's such a it's such a fun group to be around. A, you know, it's such a a, a close group to be around. B, and it's just they they make they truly make everything kind of more enjoyable. And 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 you know, even if you're having a bad day or having a, a, a rough game or, or a rough season or, or, you know, the, the offensive line just can have, they, there's something about them that they can sort of make everything kind of feel all right, you know, at, at times. So it's, uh, I'm, I'm very fond of the groups. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You know, we, we all wish more people were like the O-line, right? They're, they're humble guys. They just want to do their job. Uh, they want to be good teammates, good brothers, good friends and uh, do the absolute best they can with whatever they've got in front of them. And, and I think we can all learn from that group. Right. Absolutely. Uh, you know, talk to me a little bit about kind of, you know, you've got, you wear a lot of hats, you know, and, and you know, you're, you're the assistant head football coach and you're an offensive coordinator and you've got a position you, group that you coach as well. Talk to me just sort of a, about how, how you balance all of those things um, and, and, you know, how, how you kind of make yourself as successful as you can uh, with, with all of those hats? Well, you know, it, it's, it's certainly a challenge. And the balancing act's going better now than it went uh, when I was a head coach. Right. You know, at Defiance, I mean, I was the head football coach, the offensive coordinator, and then either the quarterback's coach or the O-line coach most of the years that I was there. And each one of those things is a job within itself, right? Um, anytime you've got competing priorities, 
you've got to prioritize, mm-hmm. right? So, so that's the first thing. Um, you know, so in that order, being a head coach, being an offensive coordinator, and then being a position coach. Um, over here at, at Hamlin, uh, it's a little bit lighter, but my number one priority is is the offense and the production of the offense, and then uh, it goes to position coaching from there. So, all right, cool, we're able to prioritize. Then it's about, all right, what am I uniquely qualified to do within the framework of our staff, mm-hmm. right? Are there things that the assistant coaches and the other folks in the program um, that we can delegate ownership to, you know, one of the mistakes that I made as a head coach was I gravitated to the things that, that I thought I was good at, right. Right. Which is fine. But when you've got a high level position, you got to know what's going on in the weeds, but you can't be in the weeds all the time. Right. right? And you know, like I said, each one of those hats was a job into and of itself. As a leader, you've really got to take a step back and say, what can I do? What do I absolutely have to do? And then what can I empower other people to do? And finding that balance is a challenge and it changes year to year based on what your assets are. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, and that's such a great, uh, the, the, a great point you make about kind of, you can't, you can't delve too, too deep in there because you have to kind of, you have to be able to, to keep that distance, so to speak. And it's not like, you know, that would be, for me, that would be incredibly tough, especially as an offensive line coach, where you want to kind of go, go deep in those weeds, like you said, so to speak. And, and because you have to have those relationships with, with that group and keep that close knit, um, you know, relationship alive. So that, that, that has to have been incredibly tough to, to try to do, uh, during your time there, you know, during, during, while, while doing that. So, yeah, well, it was, it was certainly a learning experience and every mm-hmm. season's a learning experience. Oh yeah. And you know, the, the thing with, with delegating is, you know, that takes some work too. It, you can't just what they say, abdicate and just slice off a piece of the program or the offense or what have you, and just have somebody go and run with it without direction. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times at the small college level, and you understand this, a lot of the, a lot of the support, um, maybe guys who have another day job or right. maybe don't have a tremendous amount of experience. You know, the most effective delegation happens when there's appropriate training involved. Right. And you know, you go through the cycle, you know, it's, I, I do it and you watch. All right. I do it and you help you know, you do it and I help, and then mm-hmm. you do it and I watch. And if you can take these young coaches on your staff and, and these guys breaking into the profession through that progression, it becomes a lot easier to delegate because through right. that process, you build their skill and you increase trust between one another. Right. And that's, I mean, I mean, when you get down to it, a lot of it is that's, you'll get arguments, I'm sure a lot of the times, but the, the, the if you boil it down to its its bare necessities coaching is trust and and that's kind of what we need and what you want and if you can get those players trust um and, and they you know you trust them and they trust you they will you be they will move mountains for you and and um so that that's kind of what it all gets down to is that trust for sure absolutely yeah so last question i've got for you coach uh you know you've you've coached for a long time now 18 years um, if you could build uh, a Mount Rushmore of offensive linemen from guys that you coached, guys maybe that you played with, or guys that you 
uh, are just, you know, a, a fan of, who would be on that five-man offensive line? So we got five guys on Mount Rushmore? Yes. All right. All right. Well, this will be this will be Ohio-centric, right? So I'm a okay. Cleveland guy, um, uh, Browns fan, even, even through all of the stuff, still a Browns fan. <laughs> so, uh, you know, number one uh, on Mount Rushmore, uh, it's got to be my guy, Joe Thomas. Yep. You know, 10,300 some odd consecutive snaps played until his arm almost fell off. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, we got to go Joe Thomas. Uh, let's see from, from the Ohio state university, uh, got to go with Orlando pace. Uh, one of the first O linemen that yeah, I really admired and, and really watched and got to see, mm -hmm. let's see, we got those Browns Bengals rivalries. So Anthony Munoz and, uh, and Willie Anderson, um, would be two more guys to put on there. And then my fifth guy, Tony is going to be a guy who was undrafted out of Thomas Moore College in 2008. His name's Timmy Mosley, okay? And Tim Mosley, right, didn't play a lick for us freshman year, sophomore year, junior year. And so going into the senior season, he got the blessing from the coaching staff to maybe transition to another position, transform his body, be an edge guy. So Tim Mosley works his tail off all off season, all through the summer, the whole thing gets in great shape trying to be an edge guy, a defensive end, tight end, whatever it happens to be. And Timmy Mosley shows up to preseason camp at 211 pounds, ready to play tight end or defensive end. Now, you know this through coaching. Sometimes everybody you think that's coming back doesn't always show up for camp, right? right. I don't know if you've been in that situation before. We thought we had five ultra-reliable offensive linemen coming back, <clears throat> and we find out right before camp starts – that we're only going to have four. So we're scrambling, and we're talking through it as a staff. And uh, I mentioned Rick Haynes earlier, and Rick was a blessing to, to me and our program in a number of ways. But Rick's like, what about Mosley? And we're like, Coach, you know, Mosley lost a ton of weight, strong gust of wind, he's going to blow away. <laughs> and Rick's like, no, man. He's like, that kid cares. He's disciplined. If he's willing to do it, we'll make it work. So camp arrival day comes you know, Tim Mosley shows up on campus. He looks fantastic. Header pulls him into the office. Hey, Tim, you're looking great. Timmy's like, coach, I feel great. I've been eating right, been running the whole deal. I'm down to 211 pounds. The header says, Tim, listen, we thought such and such was coming back. He is not coming back. We got an opening at right tackle. Are you willing to make the move and make the transition? And Tim looks up and without missing a beat, coach, whatever the team needs. Yeah. Tim Mosley started for us 11 games, helped us beat nationally ranked Washington and Jefferson University to win our first pack championship. We ran off four straight conference championships after that. And there were a lot of guys, Tony, that contributed to our success in 2008. Yeah. But if Tim Mosley said no, then that wasn't going to happen. Right. So he's the epitome of what you want from an offensive lineman. And, and we've already talked about it, man. That's, that's the position you want to coach. It's the only position in sports whose sole purpose is to protect other people from harm. Absolutely. And, uh, so if we're putting together a Mount Rushmore, dude, I got to put my guy Tim Mosley on there along that's with awesome. Joe Thomas and those other cats. That's awesome. I love it, Coach. That's, that, that right there, that's, that's why we do it. That's why we coach. Th th those are the stories that we live for as coaches to, to, to tell and to kind of 
keep alive through through our guys as we as we are you know as we transition uh to our next group of guys and those guys transition into coaching those are the stories that that keep keep it keep the game so special absolutely yeah well coach uh real quick before we get you out of here do me a favor drop your twitter handle um and any other information you want these guys to know and and then we'll uh, we'll get you on your way yeah, um, most active on Twitter, Coach Sheehan, S-H-E-E-H-A-N. If you're a coach, I'll follow you back. Uh, DMs are open. So if you've got uh, high school guys that are looking for a home, want to go to a high academic university in the Twin Cities, by all means, send me their contact information and film. And then I'm looking for book recommendations too, Tony. I don't know how long this quarantine's going. Right. I'm already ripping through a bunch. So if guys got book recommendations, go ahead and drop those in the DMs too. Be happy to check them out. Awesome, coach. That's awesome. Yeah, that's a, the, I'm 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 much like you. I I love I love reading, and and uh, so I'm I'm the same. So uh, that's great. Well, coach, I appreciate you coming on. Um, you know, thank you for taking the time. Hopefully, you guys are staying safe and healthy, and uh, you know that that first grade isn't too too tough on you. <laughs> Thanks, Tony. Much appreciated. All right, take care now. All right. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. Make sure you like and subscribe, and you can find previous episodes on Anchor, Apple, Spotify, or any other podcast platform.